You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Asbury. Welcome to Monday Chapel. This is the sixth week of the semester. We're moving fast. Can you believe it? Sixth week. And... Uh, Quick announcement, tonight at 9 p.m. is gather 11 a.m. tomorrow morning for commuters on the lower level of the Student Center. We're in Acts 18 and 19 uh, tonight. Uh, Remember, you have got scripture readers that are accessible to you in in your seats uh, that kind of guide us through reading along through the book of Acts uh, this morning matched up with what uh, discussions are happening and gather. One other announcement, at 7 p.m. tonight, there's a flex event, uh, Bible and Philosophy on Life. So uh, come for a panel of Christian Studies and Philosophy faculty. That'll be at 7 p.m. in Bennett Bernard. Today is the third message of our Spring Chapel series, the story that we find ourselves in. And on uh, Monday last week, Dr. Baldwin preached on discerning the difference between the fake and the real, uh, four signs of real Christianity. On Friday, Jeannie Banter taught on heart holiness, that the Holy Spirit's role in your life is to make you holy. And today we get to hear uh, from one of our beloved faculty, Dr. Brian Hall. And uh, give it up for Dr. Hall. We're unpacking the chapel frame, the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ grows in us from being men and women of the word. John Wesley uh, was a man of one book, Homo Unius Libre. We learned to conceptualize the world in a biblical manner when we live into scripture like 2 Corinthians 10.5 that says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So that is the direction we are headed in in our worship today. If you will, uh, please stand with me and receive this call to worship. Psalm 26, verses 1 to 3. Vindicate me, Lord. For I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and lived in reliance on your faithfulness. This is our call to worship together. Good morning, Asbury. Oh, that was terrible. What it was yesterday, the Super Bowl or something? Good morning, Asbury. Good morning! That's what I'm talking about. Good. Um, I don't know how you guys are feeling about, um, by the looks of it, many of you stayed up and watched the game. So, uh, I don't know how you feel about the game, so I'm going to give you four choices to vote on how you feel about the game. So listen to the choices before you vote. Choice number one, you were really... Excited and happy that the 49ers won. Choice number two, 
you were really disappointed that the Chiefs did not win. Choice number three, you were there for the commercials. <laughs> Choice number four, don't care about the game, commercials, we're here for Taylor Swift. All right, so let's vote. All right, how many say number one? You're excited about the results? Anybody? Okay, like two people, all right. Anybody disappointed with the results? Okay, a few, a few more. Anybody just there for the commercials? Okay, and maybe the food. Anybody there just for Taylor Swift? All right. <laughs> You'll notice that the Taylor Swift people are always more vocal. Just, say, just saying, just saying. <laughs> I am Brian. I'm glad to be with you today. Um, today we're in this uh, series um, talking about the story we find ourselves in. And we understand at Asbury that we invite you to lots of chapels. Is that fair to say? Like, and, and you hear from dozens of people over the course of one semester, and they come from a wide variety of perspectives, and they share a wide variety of things, a wide variety of ways. And part of what we want to do here at Asbury is give you some ways to understand as we walk into each chapel what's kind of going on. So in other words, you have a way to start looking at what's going to happen today in chapel. And so those are those four what we call chapel frames. Greg mentioned them earlier. So Jeannie uh, on Friday talked about heart holiness. She did an excellent job. I hope if you haven't heard that, I hope that you can go back and listen. She did such a powerful job of sharing her story and, and, and God's work uh, in her life and in our lives. Uh, today we're going to talk about having uh, the mind of Christ, a renewed mind. And I going to say more about it obviously today, but I just want to quickly say this, that I think that some people feel like faith and our mind have to be separated. And I want to say to you today, no. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then we're also going to talk about the third chapel frame is Christian witness, right? That, that what does it look like to live this out? And then the fourth one is kingdom community, which means like what does it look like to come together as a group of people as diverse and, and different and beautiful as we all are, what does it look like for us to come together and, and experience community together? So those are the four chapel frames, um, and that's what you're hearing from. So today I'm um, talking about a renewed mind. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, either on your phone or the Pew Bible in front of you. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, which is what is the Pew Bible. Um, I'm going to be in the Bible quite a bit, hopping around a bit, so you might want to keep those open today. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, if you would read with me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we invite you uh, to come and open our hearts to your presence that is always with us. God, so we invite your spirit, the true teacher, to come and teach us. And I pray that you'd help me to get out of the way. More of you, less of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So there's a guy, his name is George Null. George um, is an experienced hiker, he's been hiking his whole life. He's lived in pretty much the same area, and he's hiked in these mountains, the Angeles National Forest, most of his life. A couple years ago, he was out hiking, and he 
got lost. It took him five days for them to find him. He had gone several, several, several miles away from his original planned path and descended thousands of feet down this mountain. What happened? Well, he got lost. Have you ever had an answer or an explanation that fully answered one of the questions you have? Of course not. Of course not. When we ask real questions, one single little piece of information isn't enough. But see, we live, and part of the problem is we live in this world that says for every question there should be a answer, right? You take tests and we ask you a question, you're supposed to give us an answer, right? And so we live in a world where every mystery we feel like needs to be solved. Uh, my friend, he calls it the NCIS world. <laughs> how many of you have seen NCIS? Okay, pretty much every, most people. At least you know, how many have heard of NCIS? It's a TV show, right? So what happens at NCIS? Pretty much the same thing every episode, more or less. So there's a body found in the harbor, right? And then they call the guys and the guys in the suits show up. And they put on the gloves and they look at the body and then they, you know, he's dead and obviously a sailor. And then they say something like this, that they, they have some kind of cute little line, something like, well, somebody didn't want this sailor to return to shore or something like that. And everyone's like, <laughs> and then, you know, then the show goes on. And what happens in the show? Well, we know what basically happens is throughout the show, they just start giving you, revealing more and more information and more and more information. And in 44 minutes, you learn all the information you need to understand the story of what happened. And they do it really well. It's like 178 seasons or something. So they must be doing it fairly well, right? But this is, happens to also be the formula for most of the shows and the things we watch. Why? Because sometimes we like to have things kind of tied up. But here's the thing that you know in your head and in your heart, whether you can say it or ever thought about it before or not. Oftentimes the questions that matter in life cannot be solved in 44 minutes. Information by itself doesn't equal transformation. Turn to your neighbor and say, information doesn't equal transformation. Ready, go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Information never really gives us the answer. So here's my question today for you. What would it look like if we actually leaned in to the mysteries? And I think some of us have been handed a, at least a version of faith that says, don't ask too many questions. And what I want to say to you today is, no, what God asks for us, what Jesus models for us, is stepping into the mystery so that we can find something bigger that's going on in your life, in our life, and in who God is. Which takes us back to this story of George. So what happened with George? Experienced hiker, Angeles National Forest. He was hiking on trails he'd hiked on many times before. What happened? Well, he walked off the trail, he tells us later. He walked off the trail to use the restroom there's not really a restroom, but you know what I'm saying. And he walked, <laughs> walked off the trail, and then he turned around, and he didn't know where he was. He didn't recognize anything. And so he says that he had this, this thing going on in his head that he just had to move. There was something in him that just said, you have to get moving. And so he started to move. And, and sure enough, what we later discovered as they kind of figured out where he went, he sort of went in these circles, spiraling down the mountainside over the course of... Four and a half days, as a matter of fact. So what happened? Well, he got lost. <laughs> and when he got lost, 
his internal map got disconnected from his external reality. And so what was going on in here was different than what he recognized out here. Why? Well, specifically the grid and place cells around his hippocampus, uh, when he turned around, did not have the information. They couldn't give him a reference for the information it had. And so what happens? Well, then the stress starts to rise. And so your body, his body releases cortisol and dumps some catecholamines into his system. And so it just turns out that the hippocampus and the amygdala, they have all these receptors to receive those. And so what happens is those start to put more attention towards fight or flight. And so he starts moving. And so what happens? Then he starts to be able, his ability to cognitively stop and pay attention goes way down. And then what happens? He starts moving and he finds himself in another place he doesn't recognize at all. And what does that do to his stress? It goes up. What happens? Then he, then again, more of that enters his system and he gets, becomes more and more disoriented. Why? Because for thousands of years, we've learned that if there is a tiger behind the bush, we should not stop and ask, which is the best way to go to my house? We've learned to just ask the question, how do I get out of here as fast as we can, right? The fight and flight kicks in. Why? Good question. Because it turns out that the human spirit has this desire to live. Why? Because it turns out that maybe human life actually has value and meaning and purpose. Why? Now we're asking good questions. See, it turns out that asking questions is actually essential to what it means to be a human being. And part of what we're called to do as we step into faith, as we step into following Jesus, means to keep asking those questions, to lean in as hard as we can to those things. Because what we know is that answers give us more questions. How many of you have ever asked a question, got an answer, and then been like, oh, now I have six more questions. Anybody? Yeah, that's everybody, right? And here's the deal. When we ask a question, we get an answer. And when we get that answer, we get six more questions. And then we pursue those and we get answers to those which lead to more questions. And in this way, stay with me, our world and our God starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we start to realize that it's more than just the information we have. There's a whole bunch we don't know. There's a whole bunch we could know. And it turns out that there's something even bigger going on behind all of this all the time. Information doesn't equal transformation. See, we can get information almost anywhere. We can get information from the internet. We can get information from artificial intelligence. But stay with me, what artificial intelligence will never give that the world desperately needs are people who can ask the big questions. What the world needs are people who are willing to step into the mystery and ask the big questions and walk with other people who are asking those questions. No amount of artificial intelligence will ever get us to that place. Like, what do you do with suffering? I could give you all kinds of information about the cycles of grief and blah, 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 blah. But if you've ever been in that place of deep grief, you know that information just simply isn't enough. What do you do with joy and wonder? I got to hang out with a seven-year-old a couple weeks ago. I don't know when the last time you hung out with a seven-year-old was, but it was awesome. <laughs> and she was full of joy and questions. She goes, ask me any question about an animal. <laughs> it's like, all right, what about a wolverine? She goes, well, it's a carnivore. 
it's dangerous. Like she's going on and on. And then she had all these questions and she had passion and wonder. Why? Because she was digging into the questions, right? What do you do with passion? What happens when you start to study something and all of a sudden it just explodes and you're like, I don't know why, but I love this. And I can't wait to do it more. And it turns out maybe I can do this pretty well. What do you do with that? How do you talk about that? What do you do when you love someone? What do you do when someone loves you? How do you talk about that? How do you deal with, have you met yourself? It is a miracle that people love each other. Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do we do? Which brings us to the Bible and Paul and Jesus. <laughs> so it turns out this question asking thing is actually pretty central to our faith. We find it over and over again. From the very beginning of our story, in the garden, after Adam and Eve choose their way over God's way, they take this bite of the fruit, God comes to them with not accusations, questions. Where are you? Where have you been? And it turns out that Jesus likes to ask these questions too. Paul it talks all the time about pursuing these things that we can learn. Uh, in, in his letter to the Philippians, he says, and many of you have heard this before, but I think it points to something important about the kinds of things we need to spend our time with. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about these things. These are not small things. This isn't just about getting more information. He's inviting us to something bigger. And Jesus does the same. Jesus loves questions. All right, in your Bibles again, Mark chapter 10. Uh, if you would, verse 17, we're going to pick up there. As you turn there, Jesus loves questions. Now, I know many of you probably have already wondered this, but I've done the work for you. So, I don't know, you've probably, as you're reading through the Gospels, wondered, how many questions does Jesus ask? I'm glad you asked that as well. It's 308. <laughs> 308 times in the Gospels we find Jesus asking questions. How many times did he get asked questions? 183 times. Glad you asked that. Uh, 183 times. Now, if you think somehow that you can go to God and say, God, I just need to know the future of my life or something like that, or tell me who I'm going to marry— do you think that he's just going to give you a simple information answer? If so, you haven't been hanging out with God very much. <laughs> In the Bible, he's asked 183 questions. How many of those do you think he actually answers with just a direct information answer? Three. <laughs> Three times. The rest of the time, he usually asks another question or he invites them into something bigger that's going on. Why? Because we have to be willing to step into What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? It means to be willing to step into wonder and mystery and keep pursuing those things. So in Mark chapter 10, if you have it, we're going to start in verse 17. This is a passage several of you have heard and read before, but I want you to maybe see something perhaps just a tad different. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. Question. <laughs> no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. 
one thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, I want you to see something really important that's going on here. Jesus is stepping into something bigger that's going on. So the man asks a really good and big and important question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This is not really a question about eternity. This is a question they would ask all the time in Jesus' day. And really the question was, how do I be in right relationship with God? That's what that meant. And so they're asking this question, what do I have to do to be in right relationship with God? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Big question, good question. And then Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, follow them. And then Jesus names the five commandments. Kind of interesting. Five. Five. So he says, honor your father and mother. Don't murder. No adultery. Don't steal. No false testimony or defrauding. Those are considered kind of the same commandment. Those five. Five. Now, most of you, because you're at Asbury at least, probably know that there are more than five commandments in the Old Testament. Do you know that? In fact, popularly, how many do we find? Say 10, right? 10. So do you think Jesus somehow didn't have the information or that he forgot that there were more commandments? (laughs) Do you think that's possible? Say no. (laughs) Right. So there's something going on. So Jesus named five and the guy said, yes, I do these five. Why didn't Jesus say the other five? Well, let's look at what the other five are, and maybe we can get a little clue. So the first commandment is, no gods before me. Second commandment, no idols. Third commandment, don't misuse God's name. Fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath. And then five, six, seven, eight, and nine he mentions. And then number 10, don't covet. What's the difference? What's going on here? Well, clearly, if you look at number five, six, seven, eight, and nine, what they're about is keeping people happy, basically. Being in good relationship with other people. So he was honoring his father and mother. He wasn't killing people. I think that's good for your relationships, amen? (laughs) He wasn't cheating on people. He wasn't defrauding or lying about people. So he was doing things that made people happy, that kept him in good relationship. But guess what he wasn't doing? He wasn't actually caring about his relationship with God. He wasn't trusting God. No other gods, no idols. Don't take God's name in vain. Honor the Sabbath. Do you know what the Sabbath is all about? It's quite simply this. Do you trust that you are God's child and you don't have to perform to have value? Do you trust him enough? And don't covet. You know what coveting is about? It's basically saying, God, what you've chosen to give me is not enough. I know better than you, and I know that I need more. Put it another way, if we honor that, we say, God, I'm going to trust that what you've given me is enough. All of these things have to do with trusting God and who he is, his power and his might and his work in this young man's life. The man asks a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus knew that there was something bigger going on here. And so instead of just saying, let me give you the information about all the things you need to check off, because you know this deep in your heart, relationship with others and especially relationship with God is more than just doing stuff and checking it off your list. It's more than just information. Many of of you in this room sit through lots of chapels, have been to many church services. You got information. question is, are you willing to step into the mystery? 
Are we willing to ask the next question? To say, God, can you show me something bigger that's going on here? What God desires for us is to be the kinds of people that are willing to step into those questions. To ask those big things so that it's not just about information, it's about our hearts. It's about something bigger that's going on. So renewing our minds, having the mind of Christ means asking questions, yes. Getting answers, yes. And then asking more questions and getting more answers and keeping stepping into the mystery that is this world, that is God, that is our faith, that is love, that is joy, that is more. Some of you in this room, I think, have been in this place where maybe you've asked this question, can I have questions and is it okay? Can faith and reason exist together? And the answer I hope you're hearing is yes. In fact, they cannot be separated. We have to have them together. And part of what a place like Asbury exists for, a Christian liberal arts education, is to help you Think about the big questions. It's more than just giving the answer on the test. You're here so that you can step into this and learn how to do this and walk with other people who are doing this. By the way, if you haven't been paying attention, do you know what the world is asking? The big questions. Why are we here? What's going on? Who is God? How does this fit together? And for many of them, they've been given this, this sort of key to a puzzle that actually doesn't work, which says what you need for every question is an answer. You just need more information. And they keep getting more information and that leads to more questions. And they don't have anybody to help them walk with them to see that there's something bigger going on. So what if Asbury University was a place where faculty and students weren't afraid of the questions? You know, God isn't afraid of the truth, right? Jesus prayed for us and for all the believers in, in John chapter 17, the beautiful prayer in, in the garden, before he's crucified for us. He prays, God, sanctify them with your truth. The word is truth. God's not afraid of truth. Jesus wasn't afraid of questions. He wasn't afraid of any of the answers. Paul invites us over and over again to step into these things that are wonderful and beautiful and true and would cause wonder. The question is, Asbury University, what if will we be the kind of place where we will keep stepping into those questions in the mystery? So let me just be really clear. It's going to require two quick things from you. Number one, it's going to require that you be honest about the questions you have. And some of us are really good at playing this game where we put on the mask and we pretend like everything's okay and that we don't have any questions. But the reality is we all got them. The question is, will you actually step into them? Will you actually ask them? Will you actually lean into those things and say, and there may not be a clear answer, but I want to get more, uh, I want to get more information. I want to learn more. I want to step into this so that I can keep walking in faith and asking the questions. So the first question is, will you be honest about your questions? And the second is, will you walk with others through it? There's a reason we're put into community. It's so that we can walk through these questions together. And you know, if you've ever been at that highest moment of incredible joy, that you cannot hold that in, you have to have somebody with you. 
And you know, if you've ever been to that lowest place of incredible suffering and pain and loneliness, that somehow when somebody is with you, it makes all the difference. Not because of the information they can give you, but because of the presence they can offer. Will you be, will we be those kinds of people? The world is asking. The world is watching. I want to invite you today to step into questions. To step in renewing your mind so that we can be an example, we can be light to this world that wonders, are we afraid? We're not afraid. We're not afraid of truth. Because we know we serve a God who's beautiful and bigger and more. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this time and this space. Spaces like chapel where we can intentionally come together and start wrestling with things. God, we thank you for the ways that you love us and meet us in these spaces and in these questions. God, for the students in here that have been maybe wrestling and saying, I don't know that my faith and my logic, my reason, my science, my whatever can fit together. God, I pray that you would hear them say, no, 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 they have to fit together. For the students in here who might be asking these really big questions and aren't sure that it's okay, I pray that you would help them to see and know that you want them to ask those questions. You want them to lean in to this renewal of their mind. And God, we pray that your spirit would come and transform us. That you would renew us. That we'd be the kinds of people who could keep searching and looking and walking in truth. Pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.